0: at checkout. That's amazing. And that is code
1: GAZE24 G A for 20% off any Moon travel guide in Moon's entire library. And that is just for our listeners, and you cannot find that anywhere else.
0: Be sure to visit
1: moon.com. Head to our show notes and check it out and see Moon's entire collection of travel guide books.
0: Hi. This is Mike from Gaze at the National Parks, and you found our episode on Teddy Roosevelt and the National Park System. This episode was recorded and released in the spring of 2020. After having done our own research on Teddy Roosevelt's role in helping to develop the National Park System, a great deal of information was brought to light on his racist history and views. While Roosevelt was an important conservationist, it in no way dismisses his attitudes and agenda when it came to race. Dusty and I are committed to sharing the stories and diverse voices of the national park system along with our hikes in the parks themselves. While we do our own research on the topics that are a part of our trail mix episodes, there are times, like these, where this information is buried among the deluge. That being said, we have always committed to do better and to admit where we may have erred and to have learned from the experience that we have had. The episode that you are about to listen to has been left in its original format, other than this post recorded opening announcement, as Roosevelt's story is undoubtedly tied to the park system. Please listen to our last episode of season two that deals specifically with John Muir, Teddy Roosevelt and racism when it comes to accessing and being a part of the narrative of our public lands. Please look for this episode as a continuation and further explanation of how we can all be better stewards of humanity and work against the racist past of these two historical figures. Thank you and enjoy this episode. There is a delight in the hardy life of the open. There are no words that can tell the hidden spirit of the wilderness, that can reveal its mystery, Its melancholy and its charm. The nation behaves well if it treats the natural resources as assets which it must turn over to the next generation, increased and not impaired in value. Teddy Roosevelt, Kansas, August 31st, 1910. Hello and welcome to Trail
1: Mix by Gaze at the National Parks, the podcast. Trail Mix is the short form episode of our podcast. Our long-form episode brings you one hiking trail in one national park, one park at a time. Trail mix allows us to dive a little deeper into some other things. Like today, when it comes to Teddy Roosevelt. So, Mike, we talked a little bit about, we were like, we should really do a trail mix just about Teddy Roosevelt. Right. Because he was so instrumental in so many things.
0: That's right. Teddy Roosevelt was, you know, a hero of the Spanish-American War. He is known for his Rough Riders, which were basically cavalry during the time of the Spanish-American War. He was obviously a president for two terms in office. And one of the big things that Roosevelt had a major hand in was not only the creation of the United States Forestry Service, but the creation of the National Park System as we see it today. That's right. So
1: let's dig in. A few years ago, I was at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Mm Mm-hmm in New York. Yep. And they have different exhibits that are there all the time, and they have some that are rotating. Mm -hmm. And there was a rotating exhibit just specifically on nature. There was this oil on wood by Rousseau, who is a French painter. Henri Rousseau? Um, Theodore Rousseau. Speaking of Teddy Roosevelt, different Theodore. He was alive, 1812 to 1867. Mm -hmm. And the piece that I was looking at was called The Edge of the Woods at mont gerard Fontainebleau Forest. Okay. Um, That's a mouthful. It is. And he, I guess, apparently painted this between 1852 and 1854. Mm-hmm. This piece is a part of the Catherine Lorillard Wolf collection, and it is brought to us by the Wolf Fund. There's this tiny little placard next to the painting mm-hmm. and as you know when i go into museums i read everything yes so i read this placard and it made my ears perk up because this is what the placard said or your eyes perk up <laughs> right no artist was more passionately dedicated to fontainebleau than rousseau for four decades he brought his observant gaze and his intense study of dutch old masters To bear on the forest's varied terrain while assuming the role of protector and guardian. At mid century, he initiated a petition to safeguard the old trees from commercial interests that would deprive artists of, quote, their inspiration, their joys, and their futures, end quote. And to all visitors of these, quote, venerable souvenirs of past ages, end quote. Rousseau's actions resulted in an 1861 imperial decree that set aside 4,000 acres of the forest as a partie artistique, the first nature preserve in history. And then it says in parentheses, soon after the United States followed suit with the Yosemite land grant and the establishment of Yellowstone as the first national park. Mm. So I found this to be very interesting because over in France, this idea of government preserving land was for the sake of artists, Uh giving artists subjects to paint. Right. And space to do it in. People to, you know, enjoy them. right? And it wasn't long after that that uh, we started doing that over here in the United States. Yeah. And Teddy Roosevelt was a large part of that. As I started researching this, I found some more info about this in a book called Natural Interests, written by Caroline Ford. Rousseau submitted his petition uh, to him. I'm guessing this is, oh, this is Napoleon III. Mm-hmm. Rousseau submitted his petition to Napoleon III and was given a dinner invitation in response. He articulated his argument for the preservation of Fontainebleau in patriotic language and in terms of the innate rights of the natural world. A year later, a report was prepared on the future management of the forest and the report's plan then instituted by imperial decree eight years later in 1861. It provided the protection of 12 areas of the forest which would not be managed by the forest administration and which would be at the disposition of the artists, eight of these areas had been mentioned by Rousseau. In all, about 6.5% of the entire forest was set aside as a réserve artistique. The emperor's decree on the 13th of August 1861 divided the forest into three sections And the one section that was reserved for artists actually, like, was increased Mm -hmm. when he set all of this aside. So, yes, I found that to be really helpful to know sort of, like, where this...
0: The idea of the government reserving land really well, sort right. of originated and conservancy, like basically, that's like right. probably the first baby steps towards it.
1: outside of native peoples' right. conservancy of certain areas, right, and or just respect for
0: that working land that as land. caretakers of the land, working as caretakers yeah, for the land, you know, exactly. because the earth giveth and the earth taketh away, doesn't and she, change you know, here we are in this wild century we're living in. Right. Take it the way it does. Right. Um, and rightfully so. Teddy Roosevelt was obviously one of the leading voices
1: in America for
0: conservancy. Right.
1: Um, when Along he, with his
0: friend John Muir. Yes. Which we pr- should probably do a whole episode about oh, as well. We will. Forthcoming. We will.
1: Yeah. So, Teddy Roosevelt is often considered the conservationist president. He established... Uh, Like when he was president, Mm -hmm. he helped establish 150 national forests, 51 federal bird reserves, four national game preserves, five national parks, 18 national monuments, and in total over 230 million acres
0: of public land. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. Um, He, you know, Teddy Roosevelt had always had a love of nature. It was kind of a deep-seated love, um, but it was sort of transformative throughout his life. Um, so he was not a very well child. He was often very sick. Um, and he actually took up uh, the... I, I don't want to say habit. The um, the hobby. Thank you. He took up the hobby of taxidermy. Saying it's a habit makes it sound like he's like <laughs> then murdering people in oh, his basement. Right, right. <laughs> That's right. a very dark turn on history. Yeah. So he takes up the hobby of uh, taxidermy. He actually donated quite a large number of his taxidermied animals, which were well done to both the American Museum of Natural History and then later the Smithsonian. This is something that really shows his first kind of foray into his work with the natural world. He was um, a city alderman in New York City in 1883. While he was there, he took a train to North Dakota to hunt buffalo. Eventually, this trip became very transformative for him because he loved the land out there so much. He purchased a ranch in the Dakota Badlands, and he would return regularly to ride and hunt. He actually wrote a book about his experiences there. It was literally panned by a the publisher of uh, Forest and Stream, whose name was uh, George Bird Grinnell. Roosevelt was very offended by this, so he apparently burst into his office to have it out with him. And after this meeting, the two were lifelong friends. They established together the Boone and Cricket Club, which was a hunter's club and a group of prominent Easterners and... Roosevelt actually served as its first president. Teddy Roosevelt was a Scorpio. So it makes sense (laughs) that he
1: takes something that very personally. personally, Yeah. All all Scorpios do that. Yeah. (laughs) I I say that generally speaking. Mm -hmm. Maybe not. Maybe not. Every Scorpio I know takes everything deeply personally. Backtrack that a little bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Teddy Roosevelt often spoke of his love of nature and the outdoors and conservancy. Here is one quote. We have become great because of the lavish use of our resources, but the time has come to inquire seriously what will happen when our forests are gone, when the coal, the iron, the oil, and the gas are exhausted, when the soils have still further impoverished and washed into the streams, polluting the rivers, denuding the fields, and obstructing
0: navigation. Wow. <laughs> Talk I about um, some potent potent history. Yes, yeah, seriously. Coming back to... By us all. Seriously. Yeah.
1: Okay, so Teddy Roosevelt became president because William McKinley was assassinated,
0: mm. right? Who was that assassin? I feel like you know.
1: Oh, because I was in that production yeah. once upon a time. Um. Oh my God, I don't remember his name. Sorry, no. I had three under the bus there. I it's just thought okay. you might have remembered. Hold on. Okay. Yes, it was Leon Cholgosh. Okay. Yes, and he, he has the gun song. Okay. Yeah, that's this like... In Assassins, the Tight, musical. tight, four-part harmony song. Mm-hmm. That, um, yeah, we had to learn twice because the first, like, time we were taught it, it was in one key. And then oh. all of us just memorized exactly that. And then they... And key. it was like, oh, psych, it's like a half step down. And we were like, mm. great, start from the top. Key, a G. Yeah. key change, <laughs> key a G right. So anyway, so he became president mm-hmm. and he's headed off on this like national speaking tour as president. Mm-hmm. And he decided to interrupt his speaking tour to go camping. Wow. like, Don't we all wish
0: we could do that I at I know.
1: He spent two weeks. <laughs> I interrupted my school week to go to camping. just go camping, <laughs> right? So he spent two weeks camping in Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. And then he visited Grand Canyon. Mm-hmm. And then John Muir invited him to camp with him in Yosemite. And he did. And that's when the two of them became like super close friends. Yeah, tight-knit buds. Right, exactly. And John Muir was the one who was like, you really need to make this. We need to make this a national park. Right, and we need to... All of Yosemite Valley. Also, we need to, like, just... Make conservation like a a top priority. priority. Yeah. Teddy Roosevelt is quoted saying of Yosemite, it was like lying in a great solemn cathedral, far vaster and more beautiful than any built by the hand of man. And I would agree with
0: that. Oh, 1000%. Yes. I don't know if you've seen it. There is a great junk history on teddy roosevelt and john muir oh no like but i'm gonna meeting, watch now and then like camping in the mm-hmm. woods and of course it's hilarious i feel like history. i feel like um a
1: little kindred spirits with them people do call me a rough rider <laughs> <laughs> so i get it they are friends brought together by nature Uh-huh. not that we don't know anything about that no, nothing. No, no, not nothing a nothing thing. at all. Nothing at all. Yeah, not at all.
0: So Teddy Roosevelt, while laying the cornerstone for the gateway to Yellowstone National Park in April of nineteen oh three, said the following. The Yellowstone Park is something absolutely unique to the world, so far as I know. The scheme of its preservation is noteworthy and its essential democracy. This park was created and is now administered for the benefit and enjoyment of the people. The only way that the people as a whole can secure themselves and their children to the enjoyment and perpetuity of what the Yellowstone Park has to give is by assuming the ownership in name of the nation and by jealously safeguarding and preserving the scenery, the forests, and the wild creatures. I would also like to just highlight the phrase, and
1: the wild creatures. Yeah. Safeguarding and preserving the wild creatures, which, how do we do that? We leave them alone. We don't touch them. We don't touch them. We don't feed them. We don't feed them. We We don't give them food. We give them, we leave them alone.
0: I mean, that is, I feel like that quote not only underscores what it is to be a conservationist for the parks, but it's kind of like the ideal American vision. Also, like, by I, the people. I the feel idea like, of for the people, by the people. Yeah. You know, like, that is very interesting there, too. The other thing is, I see I mean, a, politician. a direct
1: connection from the National Park Service mission statement to this quote right mm-hmm. here. Because I do right. f- You're feel right. like... Right. And also, like, the various components that essentially then make up what becomes a national park. Right. It has to serve all these follow- right. following purposes.
0: You could point to that quote and say like that's could be where people they started. draw their mission statement from there or drew their mission statement from there. Yeah. Mm-hmm there was always a lot of pushback when it came to the preservation of natural land. Uh, You know, as we mentioned earlier, there were people that were out to, you know, make a profit off of the land, to hunt, to develop, to do things. These are things, again, they're like history coming back to remind us, Um, looking over this, you know, he really was trying to, when it came to the Grand Canyon, trying to push back against people who sought to utilize that space for, for personal gain. When Congress fought his efforts to create the national park, he At used, the Grand Canyon. At the Grand Canyon, he utilized his executive power to do so um, and protect it as a national monument. So it wasn't a national park to begin with. It was it began as a national monument. And unfortunately, on the reflex now, we're seeing those you know, spaces, which we've been charged with, every one of us preserving and protecting... Um, Whether you're a worker of the national park site or whether you're an average, you know, everyday citizen, we've been seeing, you know, the current administration slowly chipping away at those protections that these national monuments and national landscapes have had set up for them so that they can be preserved for the current generation and for future generations. He said
1: something uh, regarding the Grand Canyon that I do feel like we can all learn from today. Mm -hmm. Quote, In the Grand Canyon, Arizona has a natural wonder, which is in kind, absolutely unparalleled throughout the rest of the world. I want to ask you to keep this great wonder of nature as it is now. I hope you will not have a building of any kind, not a summer cottage, a hotel, or anything else, to mar the wonderful grandeur, the sublimity, the great loneliness and beauty of the canyon. Leave it as it is. You cannot improve upon it. The ages have been at work on it, and man can only mar it." I would also like to add to not put highway robbery
0: McDonald's right right there, but you know, too little too late. Right. (laughs) But I do feel like that is, you know, again, let's take from history, take these lessons that we should all just have held to heart because isn't there, isn't there, um, I'm not sure if it's Grand Canyon, but I think it's arches and Canyon lands where they're, they're really worried about how much those, the land around those Um, National Parks is being developed because it will affect how, you know, it will affect wildlife, it will affect the, you know, noise levels, it will affect all these different things. So, you know, there's a reason when you go to a national park, you know while for the most part, those national parks are in isolation or not really near things. You know, there are exceptions, obviously, like you've got Acadia and Bar Harbor is literally right there, um, or Shenandoah, all the small communities that dot around that. But when you think about national parks being set up, really, most of them are set up in the West in this, you know, very untamed wilderness for the most part. So the fact that for decades, these Parks were able to be left in isolation or left with a a large surround. While part of the reason a park becomes a park is having that natural barrier. We've talked about that before on the show, where there needs to be some sort of natural barrier to the park, whether it's a forest or um, some sort of waterway, something that kind of keeps it protected. So it's, you know, listening to Teddy Roosevelt say this or Reading over this quote is really interesting just to see again how the park system has really kind of taken a lot of his ideas and ideals that he laid down and worked with them to basically craft their idea of what a park should be and how a national parks should be set up. Along with being a champion for our natural landscapes, Teddy Roosevelt was very much so a bird conservationist. In the late 1800s, women's fashion dictated that hats would be decorated by bird feathers. To meet that need, poachers hunted many species of exotic birds to the brink of extinction. To address this crisis, President Roosevelt set aside Pelican Island in Florida as a federal bird reserve or federal bird reservation in 1903. And more protected areas followed that And the National Wildlife Refuge System was then born because of that. Here are the five
1: national park areas that Teddy Roosevelt established while he was in office. One is Crater Lake National Park in Oregon, Wind Cave National Park in South Dakota, Sully's Hill, which is in North Dakota, but now it is managed by the United States Fish and Wildlife Service, Platt National Park of Oklahoma, which is now part of Chickasaw National Recreation Area has been sort of, mm-hmm. you know, went on a different journey there. Mesa Verde National Park of Colorado, and he added land to Yosemite National Park in California.
0: He did more than his fair share of heavy lifting for the National Park Service and for conservation in general. Absolutely, Teddy Roosevelt, you could argue, was probably one of the biggest environmentalists of his day. You know. Aside from thinking about how to best conserve the land, he was really concerned with pollution and how the land itself was treated, how we as people use that land and whether that use was for the benefit of all. So here's a quote that really speaks to that. It is also vandalism wantonly to destroy or permit the destruction of what is beautiful in nature, whether it be a cliff, a forest or species of mammal or bird. Here in the United States, we turn our rivers and streams into sewers and dumping grounds. We pollute the air, we destroy forests, and exterminate fishes, birds, and mammals, not to speak of vulgarizing charming landscapes with hideous advertisement. But at last, it looks as if our people were awakening. We see this all the time, not just as a, a people, as a society, but In the parks, we are seeing, you know, we see vandalism so many times um, when it comes to carving a name into a tree or adding graffiti to a rock face. The public lands are there for the public to enjoy. If we don't treat those landscapes correctly, and if we allow this destruction, pollution, and things like that to continue, then these will not be spaces for future generations to enjoy. We can't talk about Teddy Roosevelt without
1: talking about the invention of the teddy bear there's a little bit of Mandela effect thinking that the bear was actually in Yellowstone National Park Mm because I think he's so associated with camping there. Mm -hmm. But it was actually in Louisiana. Okay. So he was on a hunting trip in Louisiana and the people who were hunting with him uh, found this black bear and they tied the bear to a tree and they were like, here, you have a bear that you can shoot. And Teddy Roosevelt was like, no, that isn't fair. I'm not going to do that to that bear. I'm because that's, I didn't, find that bear right yeah so he didn't shoot the bear which then this political cartoonist clifford berryman heard about the story and he drew a cartoon celebrating the president's decision to not kill this to bear. be sportsman about it right and, exactly yeah. so then there was this brooklyn candy shop owner named morris mitchum who saw the cartoon and decided to create a stuffed toy bear and named it after the president Teddy Bear. But he called it Teddy's Bear. Oh, Teddy's Bear. Teddy's Bear. Like, this is the bear that Teddy Roosevelt didn't it. And so... Eventually, the S that was is, dropped. The S was dropped. And now, ladies Just and like gentlemen, we, welcome to the
0: stage, <laughs> Teddy Bear. <laughs>
1: right. 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 Just like, you know, um, the original name for... Butterfly was flutter by, but yep. then we just ended up transposed it. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, flutterby. Yeah. Right. Since Teddy Roosevelt helped to turn the volume up and really hit like the acceleration pedal on conservancy in United States history, he is memorialized in many ways in throughout the National Park Service.
0: Right, um, which seems only fitting considering how much work he did um, to really get conservation going, um, in, and in the creation of the park system. So here are the six different units that, uh, you know, are sites that are dedicated or, um, in some way memorializing Teddy Roosevelt. Now you have the Sagamore Hill national historic site in Oyster Bay, New York, uh, the Theodore Roosevelt inaugural national historic site in Buffalo, New York, Theodore Roosevelt National Park, which is in North Dakota, and Theodore Roosevelt Island in Washington, D.C. All of those trace his career and memorialize his contributions to America. Additionally, Teddy Roosevelt is one of the presidents which graced the face of Mount Rushmore in South Dakota. Um, And the National Park Service is honored to administer those park sites and many others Roosevelt made possible during his storied career as a conservationist. All of the information that we're bringing you today about Teddy Roosevelt
1: has come from the public broadcasting system at pbs.org, the National Park Service at nps.gov, and also the Department of Interior at doi.gov. Or doi. Or doi. Doi. Doi.gov. Right. I think let's leave you with this quote before we end this trail mix with a game from Teddy Roosevelt. We have fallen heirs to the most glorious heritage a people ever received. And each one of us must do his part if we wish to show that the nation is worthy of its good fortune. All right, let's end this trail mix with a game. Are you ready, Mike? I'm ready. Today's game is, did Teddy Roosevelt say that? Or did another president say that? Okay, so it's a quote. quote So I'm going to give you a quote and you have to identify, did Teddy Roosevelt say this? Right. Or did another president say it? And bonus points if you can name that oh, precedent.
0: So who said it? Teddy Roosevelt edition. Right. Great. Are you ready? Quotes game. Yeah, let's do this. The little owls call to each other with tremulous,
1: quavering voices throughout the live-long night as they sit in the creaking trees. It's Teddy Roosevelt. That is Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah. Well yeah. done.
0: Also, what poetic language. I know. Nobody talks like that anymore.
1: Are you ready for the next yeah. one? Let's do it. Water is a commodity, not by any means to be found everywhere. When found, it is more likely to be bad, being either from a bitter alkaline pool or from a hole in a creek, so muddy that it can only be called liquid by courtesy.
0: Another president. Incorrect. That oh, was Teddy, Teddy Roosevelt.
1: hmm Ready for the next one? Yeah. There are no words that can tell the hidden spirit of the wilderness that can reveal its mystery, its melancholy, and its charm. Another president. No, that was
0: Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> this, this is a game where we say <laughs> it's Teddy Roosevelt or another president, but all of them are Teddy Roosevelt. No, that's not true. That's not true. Are you ready for that? Yeah, one? Yeah, I'm
1: ready. A nation that destroys its soils destroys itself. Forests are the lungs of our land, purifying the air and giving fresh strength
0: to our people. It's somebody else. It is somebody else. Okay, you looked at me and I am going to guess that that president was Calvin Coolidge. Great guess. <laughs> Coolidge. Incorrect.
1: It was Franklin Roosevelt. Okay, there we go. Are you ready Cousin for the next one? Cousin Okay. The old rules may say we can't protect our environment and promote economic growth at the same time, but in America, we've always used new technologies. We've used science, we've used research, and the development and discovery to make the old rules obsolete. Another president. That is correct, it was. Do you know which one? Um, Bill Clinton. Close. It was
0: Barack Obama. Oh, I was going to say Barack. <laughs> Are you ready? Yeah, yeah, I'm ready. You looked at me with, like, sade eyes. I don't know what that
1: means, but... I do not believe that there ever was any life more attractive to a vigorous young fellow than life on a cattle ranch in those days. It was a fine, healthy life, too. It taught a man self-reliance, hardihood, and the value of instant decision. I enjoyed the life to the full. Who is Teddy Roosevelt? That is correct. Who is Teddy Roosevelt? Are you ready for the next one? I am as ready as I can be. The extermination of the buffalo has been a veritable tragedy of the animal world. Who's Teddy Roosevelt? That is correct. Yeah.
0: Well done. I feel like you should give me options, like an A, B, or C. Well, well that's not how this game is I, kn- I know it's not. Are you ready? I am.
1: If we've learned any lessons during the past few decades, perhaps the most important is that preservation of our environment is not a partisan challenge, it's common sense. Our physical health, our social happiness, and our economic well-being will be sustained only by all of us working in partnership as thoughtful, effective stewards of our natural resources. Another president. That is correct. Do you know which one? Um, John F. Kennedy. Ronald Reagan. Oh, okay. Are you ready? Yeah. We must not only protect the countryside and save it from destruction, we must restore what has been destroyed and salvage the beauty and charm of our cities. Once our natural splendor is destroyed, it can never be recaptured. And once man can no longer walk with beauty or wonder at nature, his spirit will wither and his sustenance be wasted. Wow. I'm going to say Teddy Roosevelt. It sounds like he would be saying that, right? But it's not because Teddy Roosevelt is just full of poetry. Right. That was Lyndon Johnson. Oh, I'll be Jay. Okay, finally, last one. Great. What a journey we've been on. I know. (laughs) Yeah. Rattlesnakes are only too plentiful everywhere, along the river bottoms, in the broken hilly ground, and on the prairies, and the great desert wastes alike. If it can, it will get out of the way and only coils up in its attitude of defense when it believes that it is actually menaced
0: um teddy roosevelt
1: that is correct <laughs> like who else we're gonna is talking do about one rattlesnakes more. <laughs> we're gonna do one more great one bleak march day a flock of snow buntings came every few moments one of them would mount into the air hovering about with quivering wings and warbling a loud merry song with some very sweet notes they were a most welcome little group of guests and we were sorry when, after loitering around a day or two, they disappeared toward their breathing haunts. Who is Teddy Roosevelt? That is right. Yeah, of
0: course. Great. Towards their breathing haunts.
1: This has been Trail Mix by Gaze at the National Parks, the podcast. And we're here to remind you to hike early and hike often, and then adventure is always out there. The Gaze at the National Parks was created and is hosted by Dustin Ballard and Michael Ryan. To see images from this episode, follow our Instagram at Gaze at the National Parks contact us email us at gaze at the parks at gmail.com and to find out more about the national parks spoken about on this show visit our website gaze at the that's gaze G-A-Z-E. all original artwork featured on our website and on instagram is by michael ryan all original music is written by dave seaman and performed by dave seaman mariella Klinger, and sean squios our music producer is skylar ford King.
0: this episode was edited by dustin ballard